Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Madness Continues podcast. I uh, hope you guys had a great holiday season. I'm, uh, I've been traveling all over the place. been back and forth from the Midwest to, to New York, out to Los Angeles, and now finally back. I hope you guys have a great start to the year. It's been a good one. And, uh, and in 2020, honestly, I feel like I'm ready to have a decade that of things working out, you know? <laughs> I feel like I'm ready to have a decade of a lot of uh, good things working out. Hopefully you are too. So whatever it is, make a comment. Want to hear what projects you're working on. Would love to connect about it. I had a great time hanging out with my buddy Tristan A. Smith. He is a comedian based in Chicago and is honestly one of the bravest people I know on stage. He's amazing to watch. He's an incredible guy. And uh, and we've been on the road uh, doing road gigs a whole bunch together. And he's willing to say things on stage that nobody else is. He's willing to be vulnerable in a way that almost no other comedian I know is, and we talk about it. So uh, check it out. And in the meantime, uh, be well and Happy New Year, everybody. See, I, don't, I don't mind this, actually. Um, like, usually, I think when I've done this in the past, there's like a delay in your voice to hearing your voice, and that's the worst feeling on earth. No, that's bizarre. I don't want to have – that's bad audio. Yeah. Uh, Madness Continues Podcast, Tristan A. Smith, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome, dude. I've been trying to get you on here for a little while. Yeah, we've we've been playing phone tag <laughs> uh, for at least weeks. Uh, I've been meaning to have you. You and I have been friends for a long, uh, for years now. It feels like, yeah. And I haven't I haven't had you on the pod, and I've been wanting to. Uh, it feels like you're kind of a unique. I wanted to have you on here, and I especially did recently when I saw you do the Young Hustle show with the Laugh oh, Factory. Right. Cause I was like, I was like, God damn it, Tristan is so funny, and like, we've had like Thank we've you. done a bunch of stuff together. We did the that something to say tour thing. Yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. As, yeah. To this day, is like the worst show I've ever had. Is that <laughs> show Davenport, in Davenport, Iowa? Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> I worst. still tell people about that. It's so bad. I've never been at a show that's that that was that bad. Yeah. It was like the perfect storm of bad things that all came together at like one time. John Norman still got twenty bucks just in that venue. Yeah, like that he <laughs> that he just hid, just put it up in the ceiling. I wonder if someone found it, just like randomly. I cleaning. really hope not. And one day somehow I'll be in Davenport for some reason, and I'll just go show up. I know I remember exactly where he put bar, it. Was yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> and I'll go find exactly where he put it in the ceiling, and I'll be like, oh my god, it's right there. <laughs> He's like he can't. He took that seriously. He was like, "I'm going back, going yeah. back to this joint." Um, yeah, man, it's good to have you on. I uh, I wanted to have you on after I saw that thing because I was like, I just want to talk to Tristan about you. You have this very unique way of exploring. You have this aesthetic that I feel like is uniquely you. It's mm-hmm. funny because I've been kind of uh, lately been thinking a lot about how do I like what is the comedic voice what's the character that I'm developing and all this I've been doing stand up long enough that I feel like I should probably figure have that figured out by now are you what are you 17 18 years uh this will be this june will be uh yeah hold on it's 18 years and it yeah. that's fucking weird uh to think about I just went back and interviewed um uh, Mark Ridley from the Comedy Castle. Is that where you started? Yeah, that's where I started. Yeah, Jesus. and I was 16 years old doing Jesus. doing jokes about stuff. Um, and anyway, so it was uh, it was all that time ago. And then, um, yeah, I I feel like I've been thinking a lot about like what you know you have to make at a certain point you have to kind of make editorial decisions. It feels like in terms of like here's what I want to talk about and here's how I want to talk about it. I feel like a lot of what I've done lately has been like me just <laughs> like an angry midwest yeah dad like i'm like on stage like god damn it like i can't that's my whole if i had to sum it up but you have a very unique aesthetic that i feel like you've been developing and i can see it you do it on facebook and you do it on stage a little bit 
And it's like you really enjoy getting into uncomfortable spaces. <laughs> and you're really good at making them funny. And it feels so weird to watch because I watched you do it at the Laugh Factory. And I won't give away your bits, but I was like, me and Brian Rowe and Nick Ogle talked about it for days afterwards. I was like, the fucking... I was like, people don't understand how brave Tristan is <laughs> <laughs> by getting up on stage and just going deeper and deeper into this uncomfortable subject by talking and continuing to talk about uncomfortable stuff. And like, I just was curious to have you on and I wanted to talk about like, what, where did you start to develop that? And like, how did you, how, how have you decided to lean into it? Because the, the, you could easily not make those decisions. You yeah. could be another comedian who sure. did other things. Yeah. But you've decided to do all that kind of stuff. And I mean, like the comedians were losing it. They were I just loved the whole set so much. I will say um, the I can explain how I did it on Facebook first in terms of like like mm -hmm. going to the edge or whatever. Um, I got my heart broken much years ago by this. Uh, this I fell in love with a friend. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, you know, maybe the worst idea on earth. Um, she had a boyfriend at the time. Uh, also, even worse. Um and, like, I confessed to her how I felt, and, like, nothing could happen, whatever, <laughs> fine. Uh, and then one day she broke up with her boyfriend, and still nothing happened. Oh, and that was, uh, oh, that no. was days before my 27th birthday. <laughs> and then uh, my 27th birthday, legit, just the worst birthday I ever had in my entire life. Uh, just because I was, like, dealing with, like, the repercussions of all these decisions of, like, you know, a years-long friendship ending because I confessed my feelings to her. And, like... My world just sort of imploding. Oh no! Uh, the randomly, the, <laughs> oh, the best no, the best part of that day was um, I saw a Floyd Mayweather fight. I'd never seen a boxing match before. Yeah, and uh, just seeing just someone have a good day uh, on my birthday, I think was uh, <laughs> was just like, I was like right, at least at least one one person on earth is enjoying. Maybe this. it's possible for somebody. <laughs> so I was like, um, I remember just just like like yeah like maybe a month or so after that like. The dealing with the fallout from that. Uh huh. Um, what happened? What was the fallout from all of the that? fallout? Was just like essentially me losing a friendship. Uh, ah, yeah, okay. Me feeling like I was uh was led on by her, and I think she just didn't uh, want to break my heart, and it was it was a lot yeah, of yeah, just a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's stuff that like I'm mature enough now to know, but I'm <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in the moment, you know, 27. Yeah. I, I you still do dumb stuff at 27. Sure. I'm 33 um, and I do dumb stuff. Yeah. Oh, we're the same age. I did not. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I do. I seem older. <laughs> I I look up to you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I think you've just got more of your shit together. <laughs> That's like I, it's it's been it's not easy. <laughs> I easily I, I believe that I can yeah very much you, believe. Well, that. but it's funny because I kind of look up to you a little bit because I feel like one you like I was saying like you there's a and we'll get into it in a second but like you're very you're not afraid to do shit on stage that I feel like I might be afraid to do. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is like you're a really well you're a really well you're an intellectual guy like you're Thank you're you. like really well spoken you've done a lot of reading you have a I think a width and breadth of knowledge about a lot of things mm -hmm. you went to a great school you went to Morehouse didn't yeah, you yeah 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 I feel like you went to a great school um I went to fucking Eastern Michigan University sure. like <laughs> and like nah it wasn't bad it yeah. just wasn't great Morehouse is like a fucking brand name sure yeah, yeah Eastern yeah. Michigan is like why is it, did you put Eastern in front of Michigan? <laughs> like, so, uh, yeah, no. So I, it's interesting that you say that because I feel like I, I, I feel similarly about you in a lot of ways. Um, okay. So, uh, let's get back to, so that happened, that whole relationship situation, yeah, the, the whole non-relationship, non-relationship. And, uh, like in the lead up to that, like, um, I'd really like adopted her into my life. We'd, uh, we'd, um, we'd oh, boy. like, 
uh, play trivia together all the time. Oh no! <laughs> um, like like a different bar, go around bars. You guys were like really that. close, so it wasn't like you just had like a crush and you talked to. It was like you guys had life. You guys were true friends and had yeah, life had yeah. a life together, a, a, an actual relationship, and then like. Oh, and I told her I loved her too. That was <laughs> that was Holy shit, dude. Uh, multiple times, uh, and she was um, probably like, "Cool." <laughs> it was, and I remember the moment. It, uh, the moment I like like a switch flipped in my head. Yeah, uh, we were on the bus going to the movies. Um, it was like a break between like my bouncing job. Uh, like it was St. Patrick's Day too. It was, yeah. so it was. It was like the. It was. It was. A weird day to like be taking a break because you have to it's just sort of all hands on deck. But it's like we can't have this guy work sixteen hours. People just have him, you know, go for a couple. Yeah, um, to have a couple <laughs> minutes, have a little bit to himself. So I was like, "Hey, well, uh, let's watch a movie together." Um, and it was actually a movie about friends who fall in love. Oh no! Uh, oh but no, man! Just on the bus to the theater. <laughs> on the bus to the theater. Um, uh, we were talking about water, just the brands of water that we liked. And I remember. Uh, Legitimately being enthralled by the conversation and being like, Man, I can knows, talk about. She knows so much about water. <laughs> I was like, I can talk about water I, with this I, woman I love every this day. Girl, <laughs> yeah, legit, that's that's. She's, I, got I didn't, a, she's got opinions on Dasani. <laughs> I didn't say that in my head. We did talk about Dasani though. <laughs> um, I'm pretty much. If anybody wants to know my feelings on water, everything but Aquafina pretty much is uh is good in my book. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, Ice yeah. Mountain, Arrowhead. Yep, I've never had Arrowhead, but I'm pretty sure it's 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 as good as anything. <laughs> Aquafina is just legitimately bad. I, I it sounds it, like it feels like they they I just think it's, filtered Pepsi. I think it's legitimately Ellie tap water. Okay, fine. I, that is <laughs> all right. <laughs> Maybe so. I'm in love with you. I don't know. This, this conversation <laughs> might take a turn. Okay. All right. We'll say. All right. We'll table the water conversation. For Anywho, now. Uh, yeah. It was. Uh, it was. So it was, this happened for years, by the way. Me and this woman like growing closer, playing trivia. Uh, me denying that maybe I was, you know, falling for, and then uh-huh. not being able to deny it anymore. Um, and like I, I adopted her into my life. Like I introduced her to the bars that I that I worked at. Like yeah. she became a regular. Yeah. Um. So she was. It wasn't one sided. She was. She, she. So when you say it's funny because whenever you hear anybody talk about like, uh, I think she led me on. You're like, yeah, sure, buddy. Right. But like, it sounds like she really did. Like there was the the, the very clearly. She was participating in yeah. this relationship. This, yeah, I, I don't know. It was. I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't like you know put a thing on it or whatever. Like I, I don't have enough perspective, maybe, or I don't have the right perspective. Sure. Um, but I, I remember just going through this whole saga and then having to quit the job actually because I was like, she still stayed a regular, <laughs> and I was like, I can't keep oh, no. seeing this woman that I'm <laughs> yeah. in love with and it's falling apart. <laughs> oh no. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I quit. I quit the job, and then like a month or two later, I remember just sort of taking you know taking a look at the fallout and just being like how why did this happen i think maybe it's because i wasn't being i wasn't honest enough I, I i was never honest enough i wasn't honest early enough yeah and randomly i thought of this on a sunday and i was like <laughs> what if i just confess an embarrassing secret tomorrow <laughs> and oh, that's uh so um, good uh <laughs> when, how, so how many years ago was this this is uh five years ago okay yeah. got it uh yeah, well, I'm 33 now, actually. So maybe it was shit. It may be six, six years, years ago. ago. Five, yeah. Okay. So this um, is where confessional Mondays came from. Yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Um, and yeah, it just it started out slowly at first. Um, you need to I'm, publish a book with all these in them. I like. Luckily, I, that's why I'm ha- happy I have the hashtag because I can just look it up later and just like, like collect them all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I I confess like I think three confessions the first day. Oh man. Um, that's a lot. You came out yeah. of, came out swinging. <laughs> 
but in my head, I was, I was like, this feels good. Like, it, it feels good to just get this out. Because I remember yeah. before that, I I hid a lot from the people in my life, just generally. Really? Uh, when I was 20 years old, my mom passed away. Yeah. Um, And if you knew me at that time, you knew she passed away. But anybody who met me after that, I just would lie to them. And I, But I, I, would, I would tell myself it wasn't lying. I would tell myself that I was just like letting them believe what they wanted uh-huh. like if anybody like would like let's say it was thanksgiving you know when i was like 22 or something somebody's like hey, you're gonna you know you're gonna hang with your mom you know you like do stuff with your family and instead of just being like nah my mom passed away i don't know what i'm gonna do yeah instead i would say um mm. I, would, <laughs> like, I would be just, like I would yeah give a mm-hmm. monosyllabic answer yeah. And sure like, yeah that that was that didn't that's not a real lie that's what just are you me. doing for thanksgiving this year tristan sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> And in my head, I was like, "It's like, yep, that." It was, that was like, I don't know, the lawyer part of my brain being like, "I, I think that that counts." That's, yeah, uh, oh, that that's fucking me sucks, not man. Lying. Why did you? Okay, so why? That's so. That's very interesting to me because why did you? Why did you? Do, why did you do that? Was it just to avoid? Because I think like sometimes I think to myself, like, and this is I think why I'm fascinated by this Confession Mondays thing and in, in, in your in your act is because it's like, I, I had this thing when I was a kid and I had it into like my early twenties mm-hmm. where I would like lie to people about things that like didn't yeah. matter. Like, so it's not like, like if somebody had said to my bet is, and I would, and I, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but my bet is if somebody said to you, like, um, like if you were answering a question on a thing that was like, is your mom alive? Yeah. <laughs> Select yes or <laughs> yes. no. You'd be like, no. But right. if somebody was like, um, yeah, like, hey, uh, Tristan, like, yeah, are you going to hang out with your, you know, your mom later, or are you going to go, like, whatever, if it didn't matter, mm-hmm. you would just be like, yeah, I am, just because sure. it would just, like, it's like shorthand, and sometimes I wonder, when I think back to myself about this, I wonder, was it me avoiding my own feelings about this, because I didn't want to bring them up and then have to deal with them again, or was it, like, me trying to just make this interaction i'm just trying to keep this interaction copacetic and like not introduce this bizarre like here's these weird feelings that i'm now introducing into this like interaction or something so it's weird i wonder for you what what do you think have you done a lot of introspection about this to to figure out what what do you think that was that that made you want to do that i haven't necessarily figured out the truth behind that but i figured out the lie that i told myself sure the thing i told myself was that um that I didn't want to change the conversation into like the kid whose mom died. Got it. And and then that's why I was avoiding it. But that's not really why I was avoiding it. But I uh-huh. never dug deep enough to really uncover like why. I um, think that's a good. I mean, that's a totally valid. That could be a real reason yeah, it in could itself, be, yeah, though. Yeah. And I was like, that's enough digging. But I was like, that's not. Th- I, I know there's something deeper sure. I was avoiding. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I, I probably just wasn't able to admit it to myself. I think. Mm. Um. And there were still like periodically days where i'd like wake up and think she was alive like for a bit whoa um that's that's you know that's thing. wild that hasn't happened in you know like probably like a decade now you sure but um and then like so the first year after it happened um i was by myself like i, I uh, it happened on the first day of classes of what would have been my last semester in college dude yeah and i um i left school for a year and that it was just a year in chicago like very alone yeah you know like like all my friends i was gonna graduate with were just like living their lives yeah um i had a couple best friends in chicago but they weren't they couldn't be there for me every moment sure um so it was a lot of time by myself in the house where she died or the apartment where she died um that's wild yeah i mean just trying to exist in that emotional space that's just that sounds exhausting and uh there's a lot of there's a probably problematic things that 
I th- I just had to do to get through. Sure. And uh, the biggest one I would do was um I would hug the thin air in our shape to feel like I was. Oh hugging her. man, that's so, that <laughs> makes me want to cry, Tristan. It is. It's it's one of those things that I tell very few people that. Although I think I've talked about it on another podcast years ago. <laughs> um, but it's it's uh that was just my way of coping with it, and I don't know that there's a right way to do it, but yeah. Um. I don't think there is any right way to do any of that. I mean, like, I've never lost a parent, so I don't really know what it's like. But I just think, like, and I I, I brought this up a couple other times in the podcast, but when my cousin died, I fucked my – I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to lose a parent. Like, I'm, my cousin and I were really close yeah. growing up. Um, he, he helped me write my first stand-up comedy bits that I did oh. when I was 16. Like, he – um. He and He's I were in your DNA. Yeah, he was really we were, we were really close, and, uh, and I mean that like not in the like familial sense, like legitimately, like you said, yeah, you're, 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 yeah, who you are, your personality, T- completely. And uh, and then uh, you know when he died suddenly, it fucked my whole life up for like a year. And some, it, it really was like it fucked my life up for like a year. And I, I started getting, I think I started getting recovered from it. It took me almost a year and a half to like sure. really get my bearings again. Because it just f- fucked my life up so heavily. Yeah. Like, cause I, I don't know, man. So I don't know if there's any good way to like process any of that. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that the I don't think it makes sense. I don't think there's a good, you know. I'm sure that there's better ways than others, but sure. it's like, you know, going like. It's always just it's gonna not compute. It's like that. Yeah, you losing someone close to you. Who, yeah, who yeah. in that way. Yeah. Were you not. were you doing comedy when this was going on? No. Uh, see, I didn't have an outlet either. Um, yeah. And. and I was an actor at the time, but you know I wasn't in drama, in the drama school because I you know left for a year. Yeah. So I really was not. N- there was nothing that was that was fun. So what out. was your time going to mostly then? Um, I buried myself in television. Uh, weird. That that's how I like because <laughs> I uh, I didn't. I remember I, I made a rule for myself. I was like, I'm not gonna go on a drugs and alcohol. Um, yeah. But I just treated. Uh, just leaned like, into. Yeah, leaned, leaned, leaned into uh, like just something I could consume a bunch. Oh, man. Uh, and I was like food and TV, I guess. Um, and yeah, so at the time it was like I was watching Heroes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man, that one show from yep. ABC or whatever. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. With like, uh, didn't Zach, uh, what's Zach his name? Zach Kinto. Yeah, Zachary yeah, Mal- Kinto. Yeah, Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh, man. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I can't remember a thing that happened on that show. The show was a hit when it came oh, out. Oh, yeah, for sure. It was definitely like, and it really shit the bed. Um, you know, if you're, if we're in the future now. It, it did not. Things didn't go well for that show. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're in the future now. <laughs> shout out to Mike Birbiglia, who I basically stole the idea from of oh, saying yeah. I'm in the future now. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, I I, I just I need, yeah, Battlestar Galactica. I think I watched another I have, great I have a show, million TV shows, fantastic that I just, like, show. I buried myself in. I remember one day I was uh, I was walking through Target, uh, looking for like a, a TV show to buy, and um, and like like them not having the season of Smallville or whatever that I wanted, <laughs> and being like like as like and then but still being me being like. I gotta have something. I need my fix. Oh my god, <laughs> um, Tristan! Because I, I literally said, I was like, I can't be alone right now. Like in my head, I was like, that's. Oh my god, that's so funny. And I think it's also be- the reason I, I've gravitated to TV shows more than movies. Yeah, uh, is just because you could dumb yourself for longer. Oh yeah, because yeah, you, you, you could just be like twenty two, yeah, twenty four episodes. Like yeah, it's, you it's just an hour long can, show. Yeah, it's, you can kind of just zone out. Yeah, and like, and especially because it's funny because now that you can in the area of like binge watching television, like you can watch all these shows and you get like the you you kind of internalize the like the uh algorithm they use mm. to like write these yeah. episodes and stuff and so you become kind of like numb almost to anything that's happening in the show cuz you're just like 
none of this, like none of these changes even yeah. mean anything anymore. That's why I think in a weird way, that's why Game of Thrones was so successful early is because sure. it was like there were twists and turns in the story that you're like, fuck, they didn't. Yeah, this, no this, one was safe. Like, no, that was yeah. Thing they, yeah, there was no, nobody, you know, it was a, it was a, it was not a character driven story. There mm-hmm. was characters in it and those, and it was like real life in a weird way. People like felt something and then DB and fucking David, ben, I mean, David Benioff and DB Weiss like fuck that up. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I get where you're going. I think it's really funny that you're, you got this like <laughs> you're like addiction. You know what it was just television. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it was, so, it's so it, funny to me. It's so dumb. It's but at the same time, I it was I don't know. It was it was a healthy addiction. I, I guess it's healthier than you could have done meth. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean. Exactly. Like I just it's so weird. I've been writing a lot about depression and anxiety lately, mm-hmm. and it's so weird too because I feel like I don't do any. Like, I don't have any, I don't do drugs. I don't, whoops. Ah, damn it. This thing I just knocked down for all the listeners. I just accidentally knocked down my fucking recording thing with my headphones. Um, anyway, whatever. I don't made a lot of hand gestures. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Is that that phone cord? Oh yeah. I, uh, anyway, I don't do, you know, I don't really do drugs. I don't like, I don't really, I can't really drink that much anymore. Sure. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I was younger, the way that I dealt with this was I would just get wasted or something. And like, uh, and then I started, I take after my mom, which is like, if I have two beers, I'll wake up with a fucking hangover yeah. and it's just awful. So I can't do that. So now I basically do, I exercise okay, yeah. essentially. And, uh, and that's mostly that's how you do with anxiety. Yeah. That's it's smart. like, I have to mostly exercise or I'll go for walks or I'll like, you know, sit down and write stuff or I'll, um, you know, I mean, a lot of it is like, that's why I go to CrossFit actually is cause I have okay. to like. I guess it's a healthier way of dealing with it, but it's like, it's not like a, it's funny because you think like there's people, you know, all right. You think about like rock stars or actors or people like this and like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is an example. Like he's a dude who was like, yeah, I was addicted to drugs and he's cool and he's, you know, has this like cool world and it's a neat story and like, Mm -hmm. and, uh, that's like sexy and it's not sexy to be like, I'm addicted to television or I'm addicted to like. You know, even yeah. fucking going to CrossFit's like kind of lame, right? Yeah, sure. Like, I mean, yeah, compared to the lifestyle he's led, uh, I mean, right? Yeah, or there's nothing glamorous anybody, yeah. about any of that stuff. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yes, uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. There, yeah, there's. Although, I mean, it probably doesn't feel glamorous when you're deep in drug addiction. Yeah, it probably doesn't feel that way either. Yeah, that's yeah a, sure and it's a better choice yeah. probably not yeah. to do that. But I just think like when I was like after my cousin died, that's when I became like homeless basically. Okay. And yeah. I just checked out. I yeah. was like, I'm not. I don't want to participate in anything. Mm-hmm. And my like, and I just read a lot. Like I read, I just read a lot. I would read a ton of books. I'd watch a ton of YouTube videos on different things. I would like. Um, call up different friends of mine who ne- didn't live anywhere close to me and have these like long conversations sure. about like really esoteric things. And yeah. you're like, what is that addiction? Like, there's no <laughs> word for like that, for, like that shit. <laughs> what are you addicted to? Philosophy, man. It's ruined my life. This thing is still. You're addicted to connection. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I, I got a little bit of that in me too. But I guess to to bring this back around to like how this yeah. influenced my confession comedy, Mondays. Yeah, and confession. Uh, confession Mondays. It was um. I spent like I, I, you know, anybody who knew my mom died in that moment, uh, just knew it. But anybody who met me after that, I would just yeah, I would just lie to them, and I ended up keeping this gigantic secret, you know, for like six years after her death. Yeah. Until finally, I confessed that on Facebook. Uh, so it's like twenty or twenty six, you know, twenty six years. Old, I, I confessed that secret. Um, legit, like I confessed it to a woman, and uh, she just she hit me <laughs> a bunch of times. Whoa, really? But not, 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 in, in, like, not in like an angry way. It was just like like a, I wish you'd have told me this. You know, I care about you. Yeah. Um, why were you hiding this? Yeah, from me? yeah. Why were you yeah. hiding this from me? 
Um, and then, you know, six months later, I confessed my feelings on my 27th birthday <laughs> to this lady that I fall in love with. Not the, um, is that not the same woman, right? Not the same woman. Okay, got it. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, but then I think it, it was, it was I, I kept secrets for all this time. And then all of a sudden, um, like, the whole sort of, like, dam broke. And I was like, the secrets haven't been working for me. Yeah. Um, what if I just pivoted the exact opposite way and uh, started uh, saying things that, that scared me? What would really happen? And damn, and, re- and truth be told, for the most part, nothing. Uh, like like yeah. yeah, like no one really looks at me differently. Yeah, whatever you were afraid of didn't manifest. Yeah, yeah, there was almost no reaction at all. Because like I still had like entertainment ambitions, and I remember like when I was in like the throes of like the the hiding, you know, who I was from people. And I, I like uh, this who I the, that sentence just sounded weird. Hiding who I was from people. <laughs> There's not. I'm not. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was. I remember thinking like, it's not like you were a Mormon gonna, secretly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Am I just gonna like live a life where like, let's say I was to become successful at this career, would I just live a life where every single thing I did was me trying to cover a secret that I couldn't possibly let the public know? Damn, which is a really hollow existence. Yeah, um, be really have heavy. Be like Rock Hudson. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> or probably <laughs> half the stars at that time. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. Uh, and what a fucked up way for the his secret to be found out, dude. Anybody who doesn't know, Rock Hudson uh, was gay, closeted all throughout, and he was he was a leading man all throughout Hollywood. And oh, he yeah. had to be uh, closeted in order to get the roles that he got, uh, and ended up dying of AIDS. Uh, and that's, that's how so his secret sad. was discovered that yeah. he was gay. Oof, yikes. Anywho, um, yeah. So I <laughs> I didn't want to be comedy Rock Hudson. <laughs> uh, Chris Rock Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what their degrees of separation are. <laughs> oh man, uh, oof! I don't even want to spe- speculate. I was that's about to be like, than us they, can... they both have AIDS. No, <laughs> that's, that's that's terrible. Um, How do you think Chris stays so skinny? No, yeah, reasonable. I mean, there's there's got to be something. It's either hard work or oh boy, oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. anyway, so I was I was uh, sorry. I, I I went the other way with the secret thing, and I was like, hey, well, what if I just told everybody just stuff that scared me. And uh, I did that for a little while. And this was before I did stand-up comedy. I was just like an actor still at the time. Yeah. Um, and like the the confessions went well. And then like when I look back on it, like some of the stuff I ended up confessing ended up becoming bits. Like one thing in particular. Yeah. Uh, I, I confess this thing about um, getting erections every time my female friends cried, <laughs> which uh, I did uh, on La- at Laugh Factory. Uh, yeah, that was that part saw. of the bit, and that wasn't even the. I think that was probably that wasn't even that was about two thirds to three quarters of the way through that bit. Yeah, and it was leading, and it gets further. It gets more uncomfortable as he goes on, <laughs> and it's just like the thing that I loved about that bit was it was like you did two things and then when you get on to the th- third thing you're like okay now the bit's gonna end here because it's the rule of threes and right. then you just keep going <laughs> and the audience is like where the fuck can this go like it just feels like we're in like some kind of crazy world of like what could be more uncomfortable than what tristan just said and then he just keeps going that's an unbelievable man yeah and that bit has come a, it's come together years apart so like yeah. the the Getting erections from female friends, that part was, like, <laughs> early on um, friends in my comedy career. Jesus, that's so funny. I'll, I'll, I'll tell part. Like, I'm not going to do the whole bit, like, for the listeners or whatever, but I can, I'll can. i tell the essential parts of the bit. Uh, another part of the bit was um, the how I start was just the idea of um, uh, how embarrassing it is to discover you have a new sexual fetish. <laughs> and that, um, Which is, on its face, such a funny idea for yep. a premise. 
and it's and it's just like at the gate the cost of entry is like wow this is gonna be weird <laughs> <laughs> and like uh it starts off with me being like you know i was laying in bed and uh, i was horny for this lady's armpit and um <laughs> So uh, it, it goes from, yeah, like armpit attraction to, oh, God, this is fucking weird. Uh, you know, what's wrong with me? And then, hey, you know, maybe this isn't even the worst thing about me. I actually, yeah, got the erections for female friends who cried. And then I go to a website called crygasm.com. Oh, my is, uh, God. Dedicated to women crying. Oh, my um, God, dude. <laughs> which I got some news on that coming up uh, that I'll, that just happened on a show on Saturday that I'll, I'll oh, tell you about. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Uh, also, crygasm.com if you're looking to sponsor a podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is Brennan Lemons The Madness Continues, brought to you by crygasm.com. Uh, That's so funny, man. The, uh, the way that you describe that on stage is great, too, because you're like, it's a website where they take a young woman and they give her bad news. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she starts crying, and I was like, Jesus, that's like the most Sunday school teacher way to describe that. <laughs> and that crygasm bit actually came about at... Um, <laughs> Uh, at your mic, yeah, oh, it, did was, it? Uh, it was, uh, yeah, you and Batit. Um, that the first oh, time, oh yeah, I the ever lazy philosopher's that, mic, yeah, yeah, lazy philosopher. Um, I did that, and like Jarrell Scott Barnes happens to be in the room. The whole the whole room is just silent at, at Crygasm, <laughs> and Jarrell Scott Barnes is in the back of the room. And uh, I didn't know this at the at the moment, but uh, he's 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 typing in crygasm.com into his phone, and then like right at the end of the bit, he goes, "Nigga, this shit is real." <laughs> He really did. <laughs> and like him and Ty Riggs like lose their minds. Oh, man. And like the whole room is just like, what is happening? Ty, nobody saw Ty probably for like four or five days after that. <laughs> Ty uh, Riggs. I need to have Ty on this podcast. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, <laughs> and so, the, yeah, those are so the, uh, yeah, it goes to erections to crygasm.com. <laughs> Uh, and those bits came about like like uh, like at least a year apart in my comedy career. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you were able to fit them together. Yeah, and then very recently I did this bit about um, uh, dating a one-handed woman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, who uh, <laughs> and just like having um, having a fear that like well no actually like like being attracted to her nub. Yeah. Uh, um, so, oh my God, it's so funny. And then being afraid that one day she's going to penetrate me with a nub and then that I <laughs> Which still... just to hear you say that in front of that audience, like the audience, like the air went out of the room. Like it was so <laughs> funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally the bit culminates in me just saying like, um, I'm afraid I'm going to lick the nub even after <laughs> she's <laughs> in my ass. Oh my god, it's so funny. Uh, but I, three things independently of each other. Yeah, that you that all randomly were able to fit together. Into I one came bit. up with at the show before that at Laugh Factory. I did a show like really? a, a month before Laugh Factory, and that's when you were like, "These like, are all gonna fit together." A dude was heckling. He was heckling really hard. It was like it was um, it was I, I was supposed to do young. The way it happened, I was supposed to do Young Hustle, the show that Brendan saw me at. But I was supposed to do that like two months earlier. Uh, I was supposed to do their uh, yeah uh, Young Hustle show, and I got kicked off the show, bumped for you know another comic. Yeah, whatever. To make it up to me, they decided to give me the a Saturday show right after the show I was supposed to do a Young Hustle. Yep. Um, and that show just happened to be a show where a guy it was his birthday. Um, he <laughs> no. was very drunk. And he's like, I'm gonna hackle the comedians. Uh, <laughs> why, why the fuck do people think that's fun? No, uh, no idea what was going on. I can't. I don't understand this at all. And like, he was he was such a bad hackler that they legit called the cops on him. And he has to be escorted out. So if you can just like so perspective on yeah. on just how bad you have to be to have that happen to you. <laughs> oh my um, god! Did they take him out during your set? Uh, the set after mine, they they took him out. 
<laughs> um, oh my god! <laughs> but I, it was like he heckled uh, Caitlin Chakarovsky first, then me, then um, Jaime. I can't think of his last name right now. Um, but he runs uh, this fun show uh, in Pilsen. I oh, mean, poor Caitlin. Yeah, and he like, he like legit like like he she's not the way he came at her. It was just it was nonsensical and like he really ru- he, she's a funny comedian, but he just ruined her set. Like yeah. she couldn't like yeah. uh, get a lot of stuff she needed to say out because yeah. I think she needs. A more like a ten of audience. Yeah, she like needs. That guy she has. Him. She requires. It's hot. It's fucking weird, man. It's like not every audience is for every comic, or not yeah. every comic's for every audience. And for like, sure. it's so weird because you can't. I think there's this like illusion sometimes, where c- people think like like comedians think. Oh, I gotta be like. Yeah, I gotta do it in front of every audience. You should. You should. Yeah, you yeah. should do so comedy. Yeah. yeah, but like you just. You know, there's certain audiences that just aren't gonna. They're just not there for that kind of bit. Yeah. Like, and it it has to do with material, but it also has to do with tone or tenor or the way that the whole thing is working. It's just sometimes the way that shit works out. So like this guy, like you know, she goes up uh, of of the three of us. She uh, goes up the first. Um, yeah, this guy like sort of torpedoes her set. It's like all right, that ends. At least so me seeing that, I at least have some idea of what to expect. And the guy was black in the audience who was doing it. And I was uh-huh. the first black person on the show. And sometimes that does change a room. Sure. Like, just like, especially like if, if there's like, if it's, if you're in a white neighborhood, but there are like people of color in the show. Sure. You sometimes get that little bit of respect to be like, uh, okay, yeah. what's he going to say? What's he going to do that's sure. different? And I got that little like respect buffer for like two minutes. And, um... I started off with, you know, the embarrassing, it's embarrassing to have a fetish. And I, and I didn't really know where it was going to go. I did not. Um, what did this guy say? Um, I He said, my name Craig. It's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that was legit. <laughs> um, okay. Um, and I was like, uh, okay, uh, fuck you. <laughs> and that was my response. Um, and then, but that made me like, like think, have to think on my toes. Like, like suddenly I was just in it. And uh, I was like, all right. So there wasn't like like the planning out of a set as usual. Sure. Um, I was like, okay, I did this fetish thing, um, uh, and then I say like that. That's my my second worst. Uh, like the second worst thing I ever did was like you know this story. Um, and then I was like, well, what if I gave a first worst story? What's that going to be? <laughs> and then I uh, I just sort of like 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 connect the dots together in yeah. the moment of being on stage dealing with this heckler, and all of a sudden it becomes a fully formed bit, bit. Yeah. out of the blue. That was by um, okay, got it. Because that's. It's funny um, because that, I feel like that's how bits come together over time. <clears throat> well, like people don't understand. I think that it just takes like some bits just take a long time to put together. Yeah. Like I think uh, there was I did for the better part of like a couple of years. I did this bit about um, f- about my French friends about like or my German friends talking about. I think you've heard this bit. Yeah, that that. Vaguely, that sounds familiar. At least Where, like that. I have yeah. like German. I was like German people telling jokes. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And I, they, they, they're too serious of, as a culture to be able yeah. to really fully like. Yeah. yeah. Or like, and the whole point of the bit was it was basically like the like the the the, the big punchline of the bit is like I don't do this on stage as much anymore, but it's like um, I actually think I have funnier material. But for a really long time, this was like the funniest yeah, I bit I had. Yeah, where it's like it was. Uh, why does the chicken cross the road? And the guy's like, so is that is a foul. And it's just some for some reason it's so funny to describe like this guy trying to very accurately yeah because like, Germans are like so detail oriented and accurate that he's like using these terms that they just wouldn't you would never use yeah. to tell this joke anyway that's the whole bit but that came together over like it took like two years for me to put sure, that bit yeah. together just because of like different little changes that were happening all the time and 
it's funny because like a lot of people don't realize who don't do comedy that it just takes a long freaking time yeah. to get like really good bits together. I mean, sometimes you get lucky and like inspiration strikes you in that moment. And, like, yeah. Like sometimes the people who, who think of this, like they'll think of, like Ellen DeGeneres, who like her first ever bit, um, she randomly like got like she's dealing with grief of like her uh, first girlfriend died, um, and she's just in bed and all of a sudden just the bit comes to her. Yeah. Um, and she just writes it down like like just like stream of consciousness, and. Uh, she's like, I'm gonna do this in front of Johnny Carson on the Tonight Show. Never done stand up comedy a day in her life. Yeah. She's like, I'm gonna do this, and then like a few years later, she she's does doing that exact it bit, in probably front of as written Carson. or close to as written. That's yeah, nuts yeah, for Johnny Carson. But that's not how it. Yeah, there's happens. no way that that happens. Yeah, not normally. No, not at all. Um, I, I I just had I just got lucky recently because I was out at um I just was writing. I decided when I was in New York, I decided I need to write more about my identity. I don't really write about my identity yeah. at all. I think it's because deep down, I don't think I'm that. There's nothing very unique or special about, which is weird for me to say because I got voted most unique in my senior class. Maybe I should write That's about fine. that yeah. out of 1,100 people. So it's like not an insignificant yeah. you know, thing that I got. But for some fucking reason, I got that. And I still don't really understand it, and I think I never have because I just you, you know, you live with yourself. You yeah. consider yourself yeah. normal. You, yeah, your accomplishments aren't special because you you did you, them. This is the only life you've ever had. You yeah, know? like you can't you can't judge. Yeah. you can't see someone else. Yeah, you can't be like, I could have failed, but I did. I didn't. So like, this is just this is just what life is. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so I just decided to start writing that stuff, and my first bit that I wrote about it was about how I look, and I was sure. like, I look like a Midwest dad. Mm-hmm. And because I think I do like that was the joke that I said when you showed up is I was like, I look like and then so I just wrote like a few tags and I'm like, I look like the kind of guy who would bring a baby into a brewery. Sure. And I'm like, because I fucking look like that guy. And that crushed. I like that now. Crushed every time I've done on stage. And there's like four other bits to it. Yeah. And like because I talk about how I was talking about in it, how I don't look anything. I've been trying to attack this from a few angles for a, for months actually, but like I don't look like the kind of guy who's has the life that I had or have done the sure. things that I've done. I don't look like that dude. Yeah. I look like a guy. Like if you met me, you'd be like, you went to a state school, you grew up in a small Midwest town, you've lived there your whole life and then you moved to a big city, but like not much has changed outside of that. And it's like n- that none of that stuff. I mean like some of that's true, but like yeah. a whole bunch of the off the periphery is like totally different. So anyway, it's just fascinating. Just the, the the point that I'm trying to make is that it, that stuff hit from the first time I did it on stage, right. and that's when and that's so fucking rare. Yeah. Like 95 percent of all the material that you do just never is like yeah. you try you try it out and you're like yeah it's not funny, and then you got to decide whether or not you want to commit to trying to make it funny mm-hmm. or or move on to something else. I remember David Phillips talking about this when I first started comedy, um, and I, he wasn't even talking to me. I just overheard it. He just talks about like the the work of like making a bit good, yeah. Um, struggling, 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 getting it good, being like, yes, everybody loves it. All right, now on to something new. <laughs> yeah. And then oh, everybody hates me again. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, just like a constant. A struggle. It's yeah. so weird, man. This is it, the only career where like you, because the most deflating thing I've I've noticed in in stand up comedy is when a bit works every single time. Yeah. Because then then it takes the art out of it. Then yeah. it's like you're just pushing a button and the button makes people laugh. Yeah. And that's not fun anymore. No. So. Yeah, the, the, this is the only job where you chase success through failure. Yeah. And, like, you can only find it through that. Like, yeah. Yeah, because at least, yeah. This is learning how to box by getting yeah, punched in the face. Messing up legitimately teaches you stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, doing well is just, like, it, it's the, the highest harness high after a while. Like, after after you're no longer unsure of the bit, after you know that it's just going to kill every time. Yeah. Then it's like, well, all right, what, what have I really done? So what do you try? So let's drop back to the material that you're working on, this mm-hmm. cringe humor. <laughs> 
it's not really what it is no, either. I don't think so, yeah. It's not cringe humor. It's but a but it definitely is not. It's not um, uh, mainstream. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's I almost feel like if there was a Venn diagram where cringe humor and what you do, uh, you know, were two circles, they would maybe overlap at a mm-hmm. certain point. Yeah. But they weren't. They're not. Yeah, the they're same. not like completely. They're not yeah. complete circles um, over each other. So, uh, what are you trying to what it. I mean, it's first of all, this is not the only shit that you do. Yeah. Um, but I feel like you're the only one who does this stuff. Does that make sense? In okay. Chicago, I don't know. I can't think of another comedian who will get on stage and will start talking about things that make them uncomfortable and make everybody uncomfortable by proxy, yeah. but like continue to go with it and like find a place where you can bring everybody. Because like the audience, what was so crazy about watching you do that bit at the Laugh Factory was it was like. The audience didn't get off that ride. No, like they were. Those are my best sets I've ever had of the Laugh Factory. They were they were on that ride the whole time. Yeah, and they were like, they and they were. I mean, they weren't. What the crazy thing about it is, like every as it got deeper and deeper, it wasn't just laughs. Like you could hear people having visceral reactions to things that you were saying. (laughs) Yeah. But it wasn't just like that's what I think was so interesting about it was it wasn't just like a lot of people can get up. I mean, and they, even I've done this my whole like comedy career, such that it is. It's like I'll just get up and get laughs. I'm like, yeah. at a certain point, you're like, what? I'll, what do I like? I'll, what am I trying to do up here? You know, like it, you can get up, like you said, like hit a button. But it almost felt like you were doing something that wasn't. It was a little different. It wasn't just hitting a button. It was like, you know, you're taking them with yeah. you somewhere. I remember I, I've got this sort of idea, and maybe part of it was fashioned by. Bill Batiste, Will Batiste, whatever we want to call him. I don't know what name he's going by currently. Some variation of Will. <laughs> sure. Uh, um, <laughs> uh, but he was comparing me and another comic who was like one of the scene darlings or whatever. And the scene, I, I'm not going to say the name. Sure. Uh, but he's he's uh, he's done well for himself. Um, and he was like, he's at that point, like still in Chicago, um, you know, headliner all over the place. Sure. And he's like, this guy is funny. Like he, he, he fundamentally says funny stuff. But I don't remember him. I don't think about him. Yeah. When I look at you, uh, even though you may not be in the same place career-wise, I do remember the things you say on stage. Yeah. And that sort of echoed this thing that I was sort of – I didn't put like a, a word to it at the time, but I was, it, it's the idea of how do you make your comedy three-dimensional. Because mm. – and that's true for probably any art. Like mm. the reason like Marlon Brando was special when he, you know he first hit the scene, it's because he was doing – it's not that – he was the single best actor who'd ever lived. It was just that there was something more to the performance. There was it wasn't just he was doing. He wasn't doing just one thing. He was, he was living it. Like yeah, it, yeah, like yeah. It, it, it. And in comedy, I think there's a few different ways you can sort of become three-dimensional. Um, sometimes, I think the thing that most of us do is we try to tell the truth. I think that's, in terms sure. of, um, yeah, truth, that's, that's the way to, to dig deeper than just like, like yeah, truth just and comedy. jokes. Sure. And I used to subscribe to that. I don't necessarily fully do now. I, I think just funny is funny. Just you aim for funny, and then however you get there, that's how you get there. Sure. Um, but three dimensional, like how do you? But how do you just make it more than jokes? So truth is the first way I think a lot of us sure. go. Huh. Um, another way a lot of us, or another way to go, I think, is sort of this, um, not necessarily cringe-inducing humor, but just like I love, I love when people laugh. Like through shame, yeah. Like um, I, just, I love like when people cover their eyes and laugh. Oh it yeah, just it does something to me. Sure. Um, and that's not all I go for. Yeah. But it is. It it gives a real good feeling. Yeah. Um, and I think uh one of the things I do to try to make it three dimensional to try to hopefully resonate is just digging beyond 
like like what initially like what funny sentence I can say. Yeah, it's getting to a feeling. Huh. Okay. And if I can tap into that feeling, like because if I feel it, more people feel it. Like yeah. I'm not the only person who's ever had yeah. my emotions, who's ever gone yep. through the things I've yeah. gone through. Yeah. Um. So if I can just tap into whatever that feeling is, whether like I remember as a kid, as an actor. I wanted to be able to control an audience. I wanted to be able to like, if it was a funny scene, be funny and then make him sad and then make him happy. I wanted to have that control. I'd never necessarily got to that point as an actor. I was decent, but I never like, you know, set the world on fire Mm. as an actor, as a comedian. I feel like I'm getting closer to that of just being able to legitimately control an audience, control their emotions. Um, And sometimes like I'll, I'll like, I'll say stuff that's like so sad that you know, like you know, like it seems like they're on the edge of being like, "Is this a TED talk? Is he gonna make us cry?" And then you know, <laughs> bring him back to, um, to hopefully laughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I've also like seen that you know, not go so great. Uh, this Saturday, last Saturday, um, I did a show, and I did part of the the bit you saw Laugh Factory. I didn't do the full thing. Sure. And that I realized is kind of that's what cripples me. Uh. You can't go half in on that. Yeah, you have to fully commit. Yeah, you can't tell part of the story. Yeah. And just be like, I'll combine it with this other stuff about, you know, like Willy Wonka or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, yeah. And then I remember it was, it felt like it was a tale of two cities the way I was doing the show because the room, uh, it was split up in half. It was uh, ha- like one side was men, one side was women. Just randomly. It just randomly segregated itself like that. Yep. And I remember the guys were losing their minds and women were not. And... And for the first half of the, and I also started, I opened with the harshest stuff. So I opened with, um, like the thing about, uh, uh, com. Yeah. Oh and, no. Yeah. And, yeah. And I even called it out. I was, I was like, Hey, this is, this is the thing I thought would charm you into liking me. <laughs> um, that is so funny. And <laughs> I thought you guys would like this. And the, yeah. the guys are still like losing their minds at it. And the women are like, what is happening right now? Cause I think I didn't, when you don't die fully in, yeah. you really aren't like, you're just you're a creep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how it can come. Well, up. I think that there's there's two things that I want to say that came to mind. I think that one of them is that I think that there I think that women are genuinely and then not just women. I should say people, but all people in many ways. But I think that at, because they're the uh, receiving end of it mostly, uh, women are really uncomfortable. I think with men's sexuality. Period. Sure. Yeah. And I think that a lot of because a lot because it's a it's a it's 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 deep. I'm I'm just putting my Carl Jung Jungian hat on right now, which is like is deep. There's a lot of there's like a lot of energy there. It's fucking weird and uncomfortable. Sure. And it's like you know what I mean. Like I'm in I, I dude. Like I you know you look at any dudes. Like I I think every man on the planet would be terrified if his porn search history yeah. got. Yep got you know made public because it's like what the fuck you like you're i'm not even gonna talk about it. i'm uncomfortable with it where it's like you just like you start like looking for shit and then you fall down this weird rabbit hole and you're like how did i end up here man at crygasm.com which yeah. is not even the worst not place by not means. even close no. to the worst place that you could go i mean it's weird and uncomfortable but it's like not but i think like i, I think that women are kind of an uh uncomfortable with that for, for like I said for perfectly good reasons um, and especially having been at the receiving end of it for all of <laughs> all of history um, but the second thing is like there's something about I don't know like especially sharing this stuff on stage where it's like I, I experienced this a little bit I think where you're trying to you're trying to understand and accept these weird shadow parts of yourself and somehow getting an audience of people to also accept them, it like gives you tacit uh, 
permission to accept them in yourself. Okay, yeah. And I feel like there's some kind of exploration going on with that where, like, Nick Patton Oswalt has this bit about, uh, I don't know if you've heard uh, if you've heard this bit, but he has this bit about, he's like, whatever your fetish is, whatever you're into, whatever your, like, the deepest, darkest, weirdest shit you, like, sometimes even think about to, like, turn you on, there's a magazine with an entire staff of people <laughs> dedicated to that thing. I love that. And he, I've yeah. never thought of that. That's and he's like, and people five days a week, they go into work and they write copy and they look at photos yeah, and they try to, I'm like, eh, does the piss hit her face good enough in this one or in this one? Like, and they have to make editorial decisions on the fucking magazine. Wow, that's brilliant. Yeah, and, and, and he was like, and they could not be more bored by the thing that yeah, you yeah. find scary and weird and like, so like somewhere there's like a crew of people who have to program Ruby on Rails in the back end of this yeah. crygasm.com. Like there's something about that where it's like it's weird to us, but it's not weird to other people. And like trying to yeah, understand there's a staff. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Oh my it's God, a whole yeah. weird thing. There's a there's a fucking there's a masthead on there and yeah. there's like people. You know what I mean? And like then those guys go back home to their families and like, <laughs> you know, it's like they it's super weird. One of them's like, oh, I don't want to do coding anymore. I want to get on another like they're taking journalism classes sure. at like a night school somewhere. Like there's they, there's a whole mundane existence around this entire thing that like weirds us out and like that. I don't know. I don't know where I'm trying to go with that, but it's just a fascinating. I think it's an interesting thing that that just it it's a lot more normal. The, this yeah. weird ass shit is a lot more normal. I kind of have this feeling for myself that I've never really talked about this on stage, I guess, but I've kind of always felt like there's nothing. You know what I mean? Like, look at Greek mythology. Sure. Like, there's weird ass stories about like women fucking bulls and like a dude having sex with a horse and like yeah. all this it's just fucking insane like the shit that they talk right, about yeah. and you're like this is all all of that is implicit in all people so like we shouldn't make let ourselves feel this uncomfortable about this kind of stuff so like i guess what i'm saying is by you know pat oswald does this bit you do this bit it's almost like you're giving permission for people in the audience to feel okay with Whatever their own there, stuff yeah, yeah. yeah. Like and I, 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 the reason I bring this all up just to uh, take it back to something you were talking about is like how do you make comedy three dimensional? I feel like I've been for years have thought about how does how does comedy do work in the world? Like and there's there's like more than one way that it does it, and one way is just by being fun and entertaining, and you can have a laugh and go back to your life or whatever. Right. It's escape escapism yeah. maybe is one way to think about it, but there's this other way where like. <sighs> I think we've been inundated in this other kind of way, which is like you were saying, like the truth or telling the truth is like, now that's why there's all these like comedy news programs because everybody, yeah. Th but uh, that's almost like worn its way out. We're like, we're living in this world where like of post truth and like all this other sure. kind of shit. Then what way does comedy do work in the world? And some of it is like, you have to meet people with this like visceral place and where they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, when you do the work, there's a saying in the, mythopoetic men's movement when you do your work the you do beginning perfect beginning of a sentence there's a saying in the, saying the mythopoetic men's, men's movement please go on again when you do your work you do work for all men so like when people watch you do your work or mm -hmm. when they observe you you are doing work for them too okay so it's like if i come to understand parts of myself and accept them it helps other people do the yeah, same thing I think there's something there, I guess, that I've been thinking about in terms of what comedy can do in the world. There's a much sweeter uh, version of that sentiment <laughs> um, uh, from Nelson Mandela. That guy made famous about Nelson Mandela. Uh, far more uh, just like, and it wasn't even his uh, his, his words. It was he was just. I think it was like 
he was quoting someone like after he won the presidency or something, essentially saying like, um, who are you like not to like let your light shine? Yeah. Uh, because if you, like you having your light shine allows others to have their light shine as well. Like it, 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 uh, and your light is idea. talking about getting fisted with a yes. nub. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Nelson Mandela. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, who knows what he liked? I mean, the man was in prison for 26 years. He probably <laughs> developed some incredible fetishes. <laughs> oh my God, man. <laughs> we got someone's got to explore that with a sketch. I don't know. Who, I don't know how. I don't know who I know with a South African accent. Oh uh, my God. If we God. can get this off the ground, I will happily contribute money. I'll contribute time. You've got a camera. We can, we can make this happen. Make Reach it out happen. to Shoot this it. podcast. Shoot it around Chicago. <laughs> You just find a every Chicago basement looks like a dungeon, so <laughs> you could easily do that there. Uh, oh, one thing I wanted to get back to the the show that uh, it was I did oh basically I did okay at the show. Sure. Um, and like I, I I sort of got the crowd back in the end with like the pushing the button type jokes, like the jokes that always sort of work. Um, and like for the last half of the the set. Um, so like generally speaking, if you ask anybody in that crowd, they say I did well. Sure. If you ask me, it's maybe possibly my third biggest bomb of the year. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, wow, man. And just because it didn't fulfill anything I wanted it to fulfill. It didn't, like, nothing that I yeah. hoped would happen happened. Yep. Um, but the one sort of, one silver lining, actually two silver linings out of it. Uh, one was that um, a woman came up to me, uh, like, from the audience after the show, and she goes, I've been to crygasm.com. <laughs> and uh for, i've done wow. this bit for years like like at least the crygasm part of it for years and no one's ever because i like even in the bit i always say i go to this website called crygasm.com nobody's ever heard of it um and like the audience laughs at that it's like yeah of course we've never heard of it and this one woman's like i've heard of it <laughs> like, oh wow so yeah, like my light <laughs> did what, did she say? what did she say Had she, just, she... she just goes she's like i've been to crygasm.com i know what you're talking about Does she need it i'm to not get... gonna tell anyone oh wow <laughs> does she need it to like get off or anything does she uh, we didn't get a chance to really dig deep into yeah, it. Um, that's fucking weird. Yeah, she was a woman I'd never met in my entire life. It does seem a little bit weird to like, like dig that deep. Like, yeah. If she'd volunteered it, I would have happily listened. Yeah. Um, yeah, you didn't want to go in. Yeah, I totally yeah. appreciate that. Uh, I, but it was... It's I, just, it was that's like, very funny to that me. Was a, that was a pretty big silver lining to be like, okay, it's at least... crazy. Because the first person who's ever mentioned yeah. knowing that yeah, I'm, I'm not alone. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, yeah that's, it must have felt really good. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, definitely, <laughs> for sure. Dude, uh, well, Tristan, I feel like we've uh, we probably shot the bolt on this one. Yeah. Um, what uh, where where can people get out uh, after you, man? Where can people check check you out, follow you? This is uh, all right. This is gonna be weird because every time I do a podcast, I don't promote myself. Sure. I instead uh, promote a cringeworthy thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, great. Uh, there's a, there's a, it was a Tumblr. There's a website called Your Dick Looks Good in Those Heels dot com. <sighs> <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's the funniest thing that's ever happened on the internet. Uh, I got kicked off of Tumblr because I guess you can't have nudity there. Yeah. Now it's just a Reddit. Yeah. Uh, but your dick looks, looks good, good in, those heels. in those heels. It's just men put Jesus. their dicks in heels to in see if it looks like a foot. Oh, my God. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen oh my God. in my entire life. And every time I do a podcast, I do not promote my own material. Yeah. I'm trying to start a podcast. not going to promote it. Yeah. I just want to talk about <laughs> your dick looks good in those heels.com. Oh, man. So if you hear this. Please. You should I, type that into Google. You got to keep doing. You should promote. Somebody should promote you. You should. You should try to promote yourself a little bit because I feel like your your comedy voice needs to get into more spaces and you're be right, in more places. Right. Like uh, I, I just feel like uh, you know you were talking about Bill Batiste earlier. We talk. I mean, I talk to Bill all the time. I'm sure, publishing yeah. a fucking book with him. But like, um, we talk all the time about how we're we, you you should be. I feel like what's weird about Chicago is that there's comedians like you and there's a whole bunch of other different comedians who. 
it feels like should already be famous. Yeah. Like, or if they were in New York or LA, they would be already famous. And that's how you know, in many ways, showbiz is not a meritocracy. Yeah. Where like, you just like I, I was at a show uh, recently. Um, I did. Show, I was in LA last week. And um, shout out to Isabel Herman, by the way, who I need to get on this podcast. I meant to have her on here when I was out there. She's so fucking funny. Okay. Um, I, I will look her up. She's hilarious. Super funny. I mean, and, and the nicest person. Like, she's she's so fucking cool. Took me around to all these shows, and like, okay. which was just great. And uh, But I was out in, in L.A., and then not long ago was in, you know, obviously in New York and was sure. doing shows a bunch of places. And what's weird is, like, sometimes you go to places and, like, somebody who's legit famous will drop in. Right, and yeah. I'm not talking about, like, world famous, like, Jim Gaffigan <clears throat> showed up, and I was like, he's not that good. But, like, people who are like, I've been on, and then they name, like, four TV shows. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I've heard of those shows. Yeah. I haven't heard of, haven't seen you, but, right. like... I'm sure you're funny, and then they get up and do a set, and you're like, "How the fuck did this person yeah. get on these?" Like, it's super weird. Like, and and the reason I say this is like two reasons, I guess, not for me to be like, "Oh, I'm I should be more famous." I hate show business because I'm not famous enough. Although that is true. Uh, <laughs> I say that because, and and look, we already went over it. You can bomb anytime. Name the name of the game in comedy is getting up and fucking bombing all the time. So it's like. No hate. I'm yeah. sure they're funny people. I'm sure they like earn right. it. But like, there's a weird thing where I would watch a comedian like that or get to know comedians like that a little bit and be like, how did they get opportunities when like Tristan A. Smith, yeah. who's doing, who's, you know, we watched you at the Laugh Factory and I mentioned it. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I have to fucking get him on the pod now. Like I have to, while I'm in town, while this is going on, I know we've talked about it for a while, but I knew I had to do it because I was like zero other people in the city of Chicago or maybe in the U S could do that bit and could do it in the way that you did it. And like, that was something that hit me where I was like, it, it really is unique and I'm not overplaying it. I, I just, that's why Nick and I and Brian and, and then Bill have talked about it so much since he did it is I was like, I can't believe Tristan. That was like watching you run a marathon leaping over hurdles. <laughs> and we were just like, nobody else could do this in the way that he just did it. Thank you. That and the, means a lot. And it was weird because I was like, we kept saying, even while it was happening, we were like, the cr- this crowd does not appreciate how good this is. Okay. Like, like they're missing, like they got it. They yeah, got yeah, something yeah, from yeah, that yeah. bit. You could hear it that night, but like they, there were people who were leaving who were, who were probably still thinking or talking about that a little bit, but they were like not appreciative of how, sure. di- how, what that, the artistry that really went into that. Sure. But all the comedians got it when we were watching it. So anyway, right, where, where can you find me? Okay. Let me, now, that, now that you said this, <laughs> that makes me rethink maybe not just doing podcasts to promote some random website where men put their dicks in heels. <laughs> uh, fuck. I, <laughs> I'm definitely linking to that in the show notes though. I don't get booked a ton. Uh, and that's cause I'm not actively pursuing it, but the next place you can see me is, um, well, when does this come out? I don't know. Probably be in January to be honest with you. <laughs> then, um, I'll probably be doing Paper Machete in Jan- or in uh, early next year. I'll be doing Paper Machete. It's a, a Saturday show. It's uh, it's a news magazine slash one of the biggest shows in Chicago. Hell yeah! So that it's uh, at the Green Mill. Yeah. Some Saturday in the future. I don't know if you find me on Twitter at T A Smith Forever. At T A Smith Forever. All right, cool, dude. I'll link that for sure. Anything else you got? I think that's that's good. Otherwise, I yeah. feel like we got it. Hey, this was fun. I legitimately enjoyed this, and this felt professional and real. <laughs> uh, that's this is the most professional podcast I've ever felt of, of anyone I know really? who's done this. I appreciate you saying that. I had um before. I guess before we like switch this off, I've had a uh, I've had um 
most comedians who come and do it end up at the end of it. Even people who are famous are like, wow, that was a lot of fun. That yeah. was a really good, like I really enjoyed it. Like Andy Woodhull, whose episode yeah. is not even on this, was like, that was really fun. Like it was really fun to, you're easy to talk to. And I was like, thanks, man. And then uh, I had a handful of other people like Jeremy Miller, Ron Tite, both like authors from the world of marketing and business. Sure. Judith Taylor, f- uh, professor of sociology, women and gender studies at the University of Toronto was on it. I might need her information. I have four podcasts I'm doing. Yeah. I'll tell she, you about this. She, I'll, I'll, yeah, we'll talk offline. But she, um, same thing. She was like, this was really awesome and enjoyable and it was so much fun. And uh, I, I work really hard <laughs> yeah. especially if i'm interviewing someone who's written a book sure or like has something they're releasing to try to get a really good understanding of it and to try to actually have a good conversation so i take that compliment and i appreciate you saying it yeah all right meanwhile everybody the madness continues take it easy